Hey everyone, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. I'm sitting here with JP Schiller. Hey JP. Hello. JP is the newest, youngest, how about youngest? Maybe youngest, but definitely newest, most recent addition to the Brightline Eating team. Welcome JP. Thank you so much. Good to be here. Um, JP works on the customer support team, so you might see his name in the signature line if you write into customer support at the, at the URL support.brightlineeating.com, support.brightlineeating.com, that's where you can find him, and JP's crushing it for us. Um, when did you get hired, JP? I started June 14th, June? Or July 14th. July 14th of 2020, yep. so really recent. And you also do bright line eating, right? I do. Yeah, like really do, do bright line eating. The beginning of this year. Since the beginning of this year. So what was your start date? Uh, actually, it was January 24th, the day after my father's 60th birthday. January 24th, 2020. And you're how old? I am 28. 28 years old. And at the time you started bright line eating, what did you weigh? I was 322 pounds. 322, 322 pounds. And you're not tall, right? How tall are you? I'm 5'6". I'm rather short. You're short. 5'6". Did you just say 322 pounds? I did. And that wasn't even my highest. I was 341 at my highest. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. And you've been doing Bright Line Eating now for 10 months? Not, no, nine months. Nine months. Right? Nine months. And how much weight have you lost in nine months? Uh, just yesterday, I stepped on the scale, and I'm at 198, Oof. which put me at a loss of 124 pounds since January. 124 pounds since January, and it's been nine months. Okay, that's ridiculous. Um, just saying for all you out there, men lose weight faster. Uh, younger folks lose weight faster. If JP were pregnant, he would lose weight even faster, but that's, that's not the only thing that he doesn't have going for him on the fast weight loss uh, continuum. Um, and JP posted, the reason he's here doing the weekly vlog with me is that he posted something in our private Brightline Eating Team Slack channel. Um, a little bit ago, it was on his eight-month anniversary of doing bright line eating and what was the name of this this thing that you wrote up jp it was like eight eight lessons in eight months eight lessons in eight months and uh i'm actually not in the slack channel for the team um and so everyone knows that i'm not in there it's the way that the team communicates with each other but i just i can't i bow out and people have to reach out and tell me what I need to know. So Chris Davis, our chief of staff, reached out to me and she said, hey, yo, JP just posted something in the Slack channel. I think it would make a really good vlog. And so I read just the merest beginning of it and I said, oh, she's right. And so I flagged it in my mind that I would invite JP on to read it for us. Eight lessons in eight months. Now, I just want to say for everyone, JP, well, maybe I'll say it to you, JP. In my opinion, you work a heck of a bright line eating program. Like I've been watching how you work your program and you're just, you're crushing it. You do it the way um, it works. You know what I mean? Like what you're doing is what works. So I'm just so tickled to um, let the Bright Line Eating world hear your reflections on what it feels like, what it sounds like, what it 
uh, is like to reach the eight month milestone. And now you're past nine months. You're like at nine months and a few days or something. Half, something like that. Nine, nine and a half months. Um, so I asked you to add a ninth, right? For, yep. the, for the nine month, the ninth month. Okay, so go ahead, JP, like start off, like read us what you posted in Slack for the Bright Line Eating team, eight lessons in eight months. I wanna hear. Yeah, so this is what I wrote. I wrote, today marks the eight month anniversary of my recovery from food addiction. Eight months and a hundred pounds later, here are the lessons I've learned. Can I stop you? Yes. Look at, notice everyone how he framed that. My recovery from food addiction. So many people hesitate to consider themselves food addicts or to frame bright line eating as recovery, which I think is fine. It's just that when you go all the way in and you sort of say, I'm an addict and I'm in recovery, it, it does a few things for you, right? It, it, first of all, lifts the diet mentality. That's not what, that's not what JP, are, are you on a diet? No. Mm -mm. And how are you not on a diet? Like in what way is what you're doing feeling different than a diet? Um, I mean, I'm do, uh, this is just, this is just me. This is just what I'm doing. I was at a bar last night and they had some of those cherries that were like marinating in yeah. something. Yeah. And the bartender offered me one and I said, no, I'm sorry. I'm a food addict. I don't eat that. Nice. And she was like, and I was like, <laughs> totally. I was in New York City with my daughter Zoe this weekend on a mother-daughter one-on-one trip, and uh, she ordered dessert. We went to this Italian restaurant in Times Square, and um, we had a great meal. Um, she ordered what she eats, and I ordered what I eat, which is, you know, a bunch of vegetables and some beans and whatever. And um, the waiter brought her dessert with a second plate and, and uh, a second fork or spoon. And I said, oh, you don't need to. I won't eat any of that. He said, not even a bite. I said, not even a bite. And then he laughed and he said, right, look at you. And I said, yeah, do I look like I eat that? And he said, no, you don't look like you eat that. Um, but yeah, it's that categorical, I don't eat that. Okay, so here we go. Eight lessons in eight months. Go ahead. Number one ease into it, but don't take too long. At the beginning of my Brightline eating journey, I eased into it by simply abstaining from sugar and flour. I did this for 12 days and didn't worry about how many meals I ate or how much I was eating. This gave me just enough time to get used to life without sugar and flour and kept me from becoming overwhelmed by too many things all at once. I, I love this. So... One of the things, even if someone's going to do the whole food plan, whole hog, I guess the phrase would be at the beginning, I love the idea of easing into it in general, especially like there's a lot of tools and disciplines and habits and the morning stack and the evening stack, all that stuff. And it's like, oh, ease into it, right? Um, because your system will increase in capacity um, as the initial things you set up become familiar and automated, right? Exactly. And you don't want to overload the system um, too early on in the journey. So I love that. Okay, number one, ease into it. What's number two? Write down your food every night. This was a game changer. So much of a game changer that for me, it could have been a fifth bright line, although we have a fifth bright line, so a sixth bright line. Um, the reason it was so crucial was because at the beginning, it took all the pressure off my willpower. As you know, we have to make hundreds of food-related decisions every day, 
and that zaps one's bandwidth for choice. So by writing down my food the night before, I didn't have to make any choices. I just had to execute the plan and eventually things became automatic. Yeah, I love that. I'm, uh, what am I, 17 and a half years down the path. And what I find in terms of writing down my food is that sometimes I do and sometimes I don't, but it goes in waves. Like I'll go, uh, you know, days, a month, two months, three months, six months without writing down my food. And then I'll go stretches of time, months or days or whatever, uh, weeks writing down my food. And the difference is I go back to writing down my food when life gets trickier, more complicated, more weighty, more, mm. more frenetic. Um, or I feel less stable because it is such an incredible tool. And I'll just say for everyone out there, I didn't go a day without writing down my food for five years. Five years when I first started this. Five years. I didn't miss a day. Just saying. So I so agree. Like to build that foundation, write down your food the night before. Force yourself to do it, especially if you're resistant to it. Then that's probably where the magic is. What's number three, JP? Eat the same things most of the time. The goal is to not make so many food decisions, to not have to think of seven days worth of menus each week, always looking for something new and different and exciting, because that's exhausting. So these days I eat pretty much the same things. For lunch today, I'm having mixed nuts, carrots, and an apple. I had the same thing yesterday, and I'm pretty sure I'm gonna have the same thing tomorrow. Nice. How about your dinners? Are they as much the same as your breakfast, for example? Uh, yeah, di actually dinners are. For the most part, I have a big salad with olives and chicken and um, all yeah. sorts of different yeah. vegetables. Basically, what, in the cookbook, what we would call a cold bowl, like a, like a, yeah. big, exactly. a big cold bowl. You put, do, you just, do you sometimes just throw leftovers in there? Like because vegetables are vegetables? Yeah, yeah. yeah. totally. Yeah. So it's a great way to clean up like the fridge. <laughs> totally. Just put it in the dinner salad. Yeah, totally. What I find is that a lot of people who are struggling with bright line eating are making their dinners really varied and, um, and they're breaking at dinner or after dinner. And I say, um, you know, I'll, I'll ask them, are you eating the same thing for breakfast every day? And they're like, yeah, pretty much. And I'm like, and do you ever break your bright lines at breakfast? They're like, never. And I'm like, yo, make your dinners as similar as your breakfasts. Um, and if they're willing to do that, it cleans up the problem. Um, yeah, totally. You want to go on? Yeah, sure. Um, I was just going to say that, you know, every once in a while, cook a dinner. Have a nice meal. Sure. Totally. Do something to mix it up. But um, if you have to do that every night, then it's just going to get exhausting. Yeah. And it's too sexy for the brain. If you have, if you're really, really high on the susceptibility scale, now this doesn't apply to everybody. It just applies to like the nines and tens. But if on the susceptibility scale, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, take the quiz, which is available at foodfreedomquiz.com. Um, but for those of us like me and you who are really, really high on the susceptibility scale, our brains get too lit up by uh, um, night after night after night of that much variety and that much stimulation food-wise, right? But just for the people who feel like, you know, they're going to die and go to boring hell, you know, 
while living on planet Earth, never getting to eat anything fun again. Let me just say, I just went to New York City for, you know, a solid Friday, Saturday, Sunday with my daughter, Zoe. I ate out for every meal except breakfast. Like, I ate breakfast. We have a, I don't know if that was a weird audio thing. Um, I ate breakfast in the Airbnb every morning that was weighed and measured, and I brought it from home in my suitcase. But we ate out for lunch and dinner every day, and I ate, you know, bright foods, but what I wanted, you know, it, and I could eat in almost every restaurant in New York City. Um, I teach people how to do that in the Bright Line Eating book and in the Bright Line Eating boot camp. And so, yeah, there are times when it's fine, you know, go, go enjoy, but then, but then have a home base to come back to that's predictable, consistent, you know, um, kind of familiar and guaranteed neutral for your brain kind of menus, right? And you just slide back mm -hmm. into your groove, you know, you yeah. need to have a home groove to slide back into. Yeah, no, that, that goes perfectly into the next one, which is that simple, simpler meals are better. And um, I, I just want to say, don't misunderstand me. Recipes are fun. They can add the occasional flair to an otherwise consistent food plan. But the key there is occasional. Putting together a complicated fare every night is unnecessary. It takes too much time. It keeps you thinking about food more than you need to be each day. So for me, the simpler, the better. Nuts, carrots, and apple. Boom. Beautiful. My lunch is um, hummus, raw broccoli, and maybe carrots, um, olives, and an apple. Like, yep. that's my baseline lunch. Boom. And if I have grain, then it's like uh, Mary's Gone Crackers original or some brown rice or quinoa if those are cooked up in the fridge and ready to go. Boom. Done. Dinner is a big salad for me as well. That's my baseline. And uh, what's your baseline breakfast, JP? I've got yogurt, blueberries, shredded wheat, and I do vegetables at breakfast too. So I, I do like cucumber. Beautiful. That's mine. Uh, so for me, it's what, what was your, um, oh, yogurt is your protein. Yeah. For me too. Yogurt, blueberries, oats, oatmeal, um, yeah. ground flaxseed. Uh, good for good for my digestion. Good for my skin. Ground flax seeds. Yeah, totally good for my brain. ALAs. Okay, what's next, JP? Make adjustments as needed. This is number five, and I wrote recently due to a number of factors, my hunger levels increased to the point of ravenous stomach contractions. Ooh. So I doubled the daily amount of vegetables. I said, don't be afraid to adjust the plan in sensible ways if an adjustment is reasonably warranted. Whatever you do, be consistent about it. Don't flip-flop from day to day. Sensible, reasonable, and consistent. And maybe consult a buddy before making that adjustment. Totally. Who did you consult before at the doubling your vegetables? That's, that's a big change. And who did you talk to before? I'm guessing you didn't just decide that on your own and just do it. Yeah, I talked about it with um, my mastermind group, and then I've got a few buddies uh, that I talked to over Marco Polo, yep. so we talked about it. We went through the uh, the four questions that you teach in the boot camp, yep. um, and I decided that vegetables weren't going to derail me, yep. and it, it seems to have helped quite a bit with my hunger. Beautiful. Awesome. So are you still losing weight after doubling your vegetables? I am. Um, 
I am. It's it's slowed down a bit. Good. But it's Hi. not. It's nothing that I'm losing well, my brain over. Given right, given that you were like a like a, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to keep losing weight quite that fast coming yeah. into you know slowing down. How many? How much more weight do you think you have to lose to maintenance? Probably about fifty pounds. About fifty. Okay. Yeah. So you still got a ways to go, but you know what I find also is. Um, you know, fast and slow weight loss have their pros and cons just in general, right? And one of the benefits of slower weight loss is it allows more time for the massive psychological adjustment. And you, my friend, are going to have a massive psychological adjustment. I mean, I'm sure you're feeling that already on lots yeah. of levels, right? Um, but just slowing down that process a little bit as you cruise into like being truly in your bright body, you know, I think is just a gift in my opinion. How do you feel about that? Yeah, totally. No, it's um, sometimes I'll catch my, you know, a side profile of myself in the mirror and I'm like, wait a minute, who is that? Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's me. So I still have this like from, from the inside, I still think of myself as a big person. Yeah. And, and then I'll see a picture of myself or something and I'm like, that can't be me. So yeah. it, it takes the mind some time to catch up, I think. Totally. It does. And there's research on that. There's research on that, that the mental self-concept um, updates way more slowly than the physical weight loss proceeds. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, what's next? Number six, social support is critical to success. I have so many people supporting me. I have a mastermind group of five people that I meet with, unfortunately, every three weeks. But I also have... Um, buddies in recovery. I have folks on the sidelines cheering me on. And my parents are doing a modified version of Brightline Eating. And so without this support, I'm, I'm not sure I would have made it nine weeks, let alone nine months. Yeah, totally. And do you live with your parents? I do. Yep. Right. So they're like in your house, but they're, so there's no sugar or flour in your house. Is that accurate? There, there is. I have uh, three younger sisters. Um, ah. Two of them live at home, and so I, I don't know if you can see back here, there's a refrigerator in my room. I it's, see that. It's quite, it's not like the old college refrigerator where you can put a couple six-packs. It's, it's got, some, got some pretty gnarly storage in there for all of my food. So you keep so all your food in a separate place? I keep all my food in my fridge here in my room. And do you compile your meals there in your room? No, no, no. I, I do that all in the kitchen. So, so at mealtime, you schlep your stuff out to the kitchen and then like start yep. prepping it? Yep. Cool. Got it. Sweet. How does it, how does it land with your system when you see people in the house eating their sugar and flour and their food? That, it doesn't bother me one bit. Yeah. I am so lucky. Um, NMF, NMD, they don't trigger me at all. We can talk about them. That won't trigger me. I can have a nice meal with somebody else. I won't even like it, it just doesn't bother me. Yeah, and, me neither. Uh, now, tell everybody what NMF and NMD stand for um, who might be new and they might not. Not my food and not my drink. So we, those are acronyms we use just to describe the whole variety of things that we don't eat or drink. Um, just because talking about them can sometimes be triggering for people. Yeah, yeah. But not for me either. And isn't it, is it, how is it for you? I mean, I'm guessing because I've just seen this transformation happen so many times and it's happened for me that when you watch people eat that stuff, it's, it's inert. It's sort of like, 
you know, if it's really, really, uh, you know, like sugary food, like, I don't know, cupcakes or something, it might look a little like plastic, like a strange little, like, you know, like a, like a, like a Barbie playhouse toy or something like that. But it's got no more pull for you than, you know, socks that need to go into the laundry or an actual toy. Is that kind of how it feels for you when you watch people eat that stuff? Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's, I just have so much neutrality around food that there's no pull. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, totally. So when people say like, I can't do bright line eating because I live with people that have their food all the time and um, it's just not true, right? It's just, it, it, not to say it's not harder at first, it is, but really the issue comes down to your faithfulness and um, sort of fervor in the beginning with setting up your own program and then the brain heals very, very fast. Like how fast was it that you got the neutrality that you've got right now? What do you say? Um, within a month or two. Yeah. Honestly. And, yeah. And if you're in boot camp during that time, you've got enough support to get through that, right? Yeah, which I was. Yeah, totally. All right. What's next? Number seven, celebrate the non-scale victories. Woo! We've got an acronym for that too. What is that? Share with people. NSV. Non-scale non victories. victories. Love it. All right. Yeah. So the scale victories are fun. Since my peak weight in June of 2019, I've now lost 143 pounds. But the non-scale victories can be even more fun. Fitting into those clothes that have been hanging at the back of your closet for ages, not having to ask for a seatbelt extender for the first time in years when boarding a flight, being able to shop in normal clothing stores without having to resort to thrift shops or specialty stores. These are fun and should be celebrated, though not necessarily with food. <laughs> right, totally. You know, and I just want to um, extend, you know, what you wrote are the non-scale victories that apply to you coming from really big numbers, right? And yeah. I want to say that someone who joins Brightline Eating um, with no weight to lose at all, and you might be thinking, well, why would anyone do that, right? Those folks out there at JP, I'm sure you know, but... Um, for anyone out there who doesn't realize, 22% um, of people currently at a normal BMI test out as full-blown food addicts. I'm going to say that again. 22% of slender people, people in right-sized bodies, are food addicts, full-blown food addicts. By uh, representative tests of the American population that we conducted in Brightline Eating in our research program back in 2015, I believe it was, um, 22%, the, the table of BMI by um, food addiction susceptibility score is in the Bright Line Eating book. And so if you're somebody who, um, you know, joins Bright Line Eating because you feel crazy in your head about the way you're um, thinking about your food and your weight and the methods that you're using to stay in a right-sized body, um, you've got non-scale victories too, right? Like the first time that you, um, you know, put on a pair of jeans and don't, um, and go out and don't obsess about how you look from the side, right? As people are looking at you in those, because of course they're not, <laughs> in your clothes. Or, um, you know, going for a hike with a friend, getting home, and then realizing that never once did your brain try to calculate how many calories you might have just burned and therefore how much food you could now eat um, 
uh, as a reward for that hike that you went on, that you managed to get through a whole hike with a friend without thinking about that, right? That would be a non-scale victory. Um, so many things. Beautiful, beautiful, JP. I love your pictures too, JP. You post a lot of things online about your non-scale victories. It's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Number eight, food freedom is contagious. <laughs> I love that. Food freedom is contagious. It is. It is. Free, 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 free from food obsession. Share about Since it. Since the beginning of my Brightline eating journey, my freedom with and peace around food have been contagious. My parents are on a modified version of the plan. One of my sisters regularly weighs her food now with a digital food scale. The parents of my goddaughter are on the same food plan as me. And a friend from college is working on getting processed foods out of her diet. When people see authentic freedom in another, they want to know how you got it. And then that secret spreads like wildfire. Oof, I love it. I love it. You are shiny and attractive and um, peaceful and on a path that people want to follow. Like you, the, the, the phrase I use is you've become a walking billboard for right line eating, mm -hmm. right? For this way of life, for, you know, the, the strange, endlessly baffling, but true phenomenon that putting boundaries and structure and bright lines around your food can lead to a tremendous amount of food neutrality and food freedom. Um, it seems like it would make you more obsessed, but it just doesn't, does it? It just doesn't. It frees you up for the rest of life. Yeah. You just have, you, you're not thinking about food all the time yeah. and that madness and insanity. And, and you just have the bandwidth to live life fully. Yeah. And, and people want that. Totally. Totally. So what's your ninth one that you added? Um, the ninth one that I added, and I had to think about this, um, and this happened just this week. This was the first week I stepped on the scale and it didn't budge at all. It was the same number as the week before. So it didn't go up, but it didn't go down. Yeah. And my ninth lesson was there is more to life than a number on a scale. There is more to life than a number on a scale. And I think for people who are in a diet mentality as I have been in the past and sometimes as I am, um, even in the present, sure. it's, we get caught up in what's the number on the scale. What do yeah. I weigh? What did I weigh in terms of last week, in terms of last month, in terms of when I started? And it's like, no, 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 no. There's so much more to life than that. And I think this goes hand in hand with the food freedom that because I have food freedom, it opens me up to live the rest of my life, um, you know, just fully. I can yeah. show up, I can be present, and I can live fully. Totally, totally. I love that, JP. And I've got my own recent reminder of that. You'll, you'll go through your process as you land your plane at maintenance, the like orienting your head around, letting go of that reinforcement of the number going down and um, reframing it as a win when the number stays relatively steady, you know? Um, but, but real detachment from the number at all is, is quite a trick and it is a thing. And um, recently, um, I've had several um, things that have happened that have tested my detachment from the number 
And I have to say, I feel like I have passed that test. I can share what they are. One is that um, I've been lifting weights, you know, through COVID. I have weights at home and a little home gym and I've, you know, got more time at home. So I'm lifting weights and I'm taking, um, oh gosh, creatine, creatine monohydrate, um, which is a very, very, very healthy supplement. It's one of these things that like has as much research backing its uh, myriad positive benefits as eating vegetables or something basic like that. It's like really healthy. But um, it, it, it quickly and in a sustained way increases your intramuscular water. So it adds weight on the scale, right? So I'm like, well, am I going to take the supplement and tolerate the fact that my weight is three pounds higher? <laughs> or am I going to deny my muscles this supplement that it's really, really healthy for it because I can't handle the fact that the number is three pounds higher, even though I know it's not fat, right? It's water. And, um, and I'm fine with it, right? Like, okay, so I just adjust. The number's higher. Same, same. I just started on birth control pills again not because I need birth control pills, but because um, perimenopause symptoms were throwing me for a loop-de-loop. -loop. And um, on the advice of many really qualified OBGYNs, they said, you should, you should go on a birth control pill. And so my weight popped up by two or three pounds. Um, that actually probably is fat or maybe some combination of fat and water. And I feel a little fleshier. And it's like, yeah, and my system really needs this for all kinds of emotional stability uh, reasons, right? Um, so kind of the same thing. It's like, okay, well, am I, am I in it to win it, right? Healthy, happy, free, balanced, you know, uh, here to show up for life in all of its gorgeousness? Or am I so tethered to a number on a scale that I would sacrifice my current health needs, right, to keep the number down? Like, ridiculous question. But um, yeah, so Life is so much more than a number on a scale, so much more. And my right size body number fluctuates by a lot, you know, based on my health conditions and where I'm at and hormones and whatever, right? Um, you know, my genes still fit, always fit, you know? Yeah. Oh, JP. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for being on. And thank you for your dedication to this movement and all the service that you're doing to people who write in to support.brightlineeating.com. Thank you for joining our team. We're so lucky to have you. And that was the weekly vlog. I'll see you next week.